morning is John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. After John announces that the Word became flesh, then the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, John, was out by the Jordan baptizing. He saw the Lord Jesus coming. He announced who he was. He is the Son of God. That's chapter 1, verse 34. And then we'll begin the reading in uh, verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Jesus in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. <clears throat> Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, disciples are pupils or followers of Jesus Christ. In the broad sense then, all Christians can say that they are disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus Christ also help one another to be faithful followers of our Lord. We often refer to this process of coming beside others as spiritual mentors Encouraging spiritual growth as the process of discipleship. Obeying Christ's command to make disciples of all nations, we strive to help fellow members, friends, husbands, wives, acquaintances, as well as people who are new to the faith to grow closer to our Lord Jesus Christ through obedience to everything he has taught us in his word. 
Discipleship is a process that God uses to bring people in line with the priorities that our Lord Jesus revealed when he chose his first disciples in the days after his temptation and before he withdrew to Galilee. When Jesus chose men to serve as disciples, he wasn't just looking for some friends to accompany him during his ministry, but he was choosing men who could serve together with the prophets as the foundation of the church of which we are members. They would be the foundation of the church even after he ascended into heaven. That was, was what we read in Ephesians 2, verse 20. was also the display text. The disciples whom Jesus chose by name when he was on earth, they have a very unique place in the history of Revelation that distinguishes them from every other person who follows Jesus as a disciple. And so we can look at them to see what Jesus considered to be important in his church. His choice of the disciples is not only instructive for us, teaching us about the priorities in our own lives, but it's also a wonderful revelation of the character of the kingdom that we may be a part of. And I preach to you this gospel under that theme. Jesus' choice of the first disciples reveals the nature of his church. We'll see that nature is described as insignificant followers of the humble Christ and faithful witnesses of the glory of Christ. Well, John chapter 1, verse 29 and verse 35 make it clear that in a span of two days, five men began following the Lord Jesus. The first two men are actually disciples of John the Baptist, who understood that John the Baptist was a herald whom God had sent ahead of the Christ to prepare the way. And so we, we can understand that as soon as they saw the Lord Jesus, they left John and they followed Jesus. That's what John the Baptist would have wanted them to do. And although our text only tells us the name of that, one, that the name of one of these disciples is Andrew, like you can see in verse 40. The other disciple that left John the Baptist to follow Jesus appears to be John, the author of this account, who didn't usually mention his own name when he was present at an event, but who showed that he was there by mentioning the little details about the time, what Jesus said and what he did that only somebody who was present could have known. For example, you can see that Jesus turned and saw them following him. For example, verse 38. Andrew and John, when they come to Jesus, they made it clear that they wanted to be Jesus' disciples. When they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Like we might apply to be taught by a particular professor at a university today. In those days, people would ask a teacher they respected if they could follow him in order to learn from him. It's similar to the school of the prophets in the Old Testament, or like John the Baptist who had his disciples, or the Pharisees who had their disciples. And then among all these disciples, there were part-time students. You can think of the 70 who followed Jesus for a short time in Luke 10. And there were full-time students. By asking Jesus where he was staying, 
the two former disciples of John indicated that they wanted to place themselves at Jesus' feet to learn from him full time. By asking Jesus where he was staying, they would be right with him in everything that he did. As they were heading there, we read that Andrew then brought his own brother Simon to Jesus. And so at the end of the first day, Jesus had his first three disciples, Andrew, John, and Simon Peter, whom Jesus called Cephas. The following verses that we read also describe how the next day Jesus called Philip to follow him, and then Philip invited Nathanael, who's often referred to by his Greek name Bartholomew, and they came together to be with Jesus. And although they came to him in different ways, Jesus knew how God would use them all, and he allowed them all to call him their rabbi or their, their teacher. It shows Jesus wanted these men to be his disciples. He chose these men as the foundation of his church. And that teaches us about what is important in the kingdom of God and what is not important. Although both Jesus and the Pharisees continued the Old Testament practice of male leadership, when we compare what the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law valued compared to what Jesus valued, revealed in his choice of the disciples, we see that Jesus was different because he was, not, because he was most concerned about his disciples' devotion to him. By choosing fishermen, whose area of expertise was not usually in the area of protecting and teaching and discussing the body of Jewish theological insights, Jesus made it clear that his church would not be built on academic degrees given among men, men capable of getting into all the details of the Jewish law. Considering that Jesus chose several men from the town of Bethsaida, we see in verse 44, which was located in Galilee, a region that was associated with uneducated people that Jesus would even later condemn as unrepentant and no better than Tyre and Sidon, and also considering that Jesus himself was associated with a town called Nazareth in Galilee, where Nathanael doubted any good could come from, Jesus revealed also that his church would not be built on social status and culturally determined measures of so-called sophistication. By choosing men with Greek names, Andrew and Philip, which indicates at least or at most a, a Greek parent and at least some very strong sympathies with the Greek culture, rather than choosing only men who were obviously pure Jews, Jesus revealed that his church would not be exclusively just for the Jews. The disciples that Jesus chose were plain fishermen from a Galilean town of unrepentant sinners, some who were not even fully Jewish in their sympathies. And then we see the picture of the church that the Lord Jesus is giving to us. They were looked down upon in many ways from the so-called sophisticated people around them. The people, the disciples would even end up many times being disparaged for their humble origins. 
their lack of socially accepted qualifications and credentials. That's why it's very striking that Jesus chose these men as disciples, as the foundation of his church. There is significance in their insignificance. In choosing these disciples, Jesus teaches us again what is important in the kingdom of God. We're reminded of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. I'll, I'll read that for you. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 29. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You see, the Lord values different things in the church than people value in the world, for the church is called to serve and not to be served. Although the choice of disciples does not undermine the, the value of economic and, and academic advancement, success in the eyes of the world is not listed as a qualification for office. The important thing to our Lord Jesus, the important thing for citizens of the kingdom of heaven is revealed in his first question that he asked Andrew and John in John 1 verse 38. He asked them as he saw them coming, he said, what are you seeking? Citizens of the kingdom of heaven are different from the world because of what they seek, because of what they want in this life. The most important qualification of Jesus' disciples is their urgent desire to have peace with God through Jesus Christ. When Jesus chose the foundation stones of the church, he didn't choose them based on their education levels or their status in society or their race, but he chose them based on their motives for wanting to follow him. And Jesus Choice then teaches us that the most important question in our life is why do we want to follow Jesus Christ? Why do we want to learn the things that he is teaching? Well, the disciples were chosen because they believed that he was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. They believed that he was the Messiah, the, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God, the King of Israel. He fulfilled everything that had been written about him in the Scripture. In laying the foundation of the church that would continue for at least another 2,000 years, Jesus made it clear that the most important thing for each one of us today is that simple faith in Christ Jesus, believing who he is, that's what makes all the difference. That's how we stand out from everyone who does not know Jesus Christ. The church is founded on her confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
which Jesus would make clear to Peter later. Peter means rock. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus did that because he wanted the world to know about his glory. His glory. The second thing, striking thing about the men whom Jesus chose as the foundation of the church, besides their humility, their insignificance in the eyes of the world, is their eagerness to tell others that the promised Messiah had come. We read in John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42a, that Andrew first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And a similar thing happened when the Lord Jesus called Philip to follow him. What did Philip do right away? He went and he found Nathanael. And he said, I have found the Messiah. Both Andrew and John would have already learned from John the Baptist that Jesus is the Lamb of God promised in Isaiah 53, who would be, the puni- would be punished for the sins of everyone who believes in him. They would have remembered also that John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a, lo- a dove, showing that he was the anointed one. Andrew concluded that this Jesus, that man who was standing there in front of them in the flesh, who was wearing sandals on his feet, just like they were, that that man was the promised Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God who had the Spirit of God upon him. Isaiah 61. And so Philip's message to Nathanael was similar to Andrew's words for Philip. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And if you look at that closely, you could see that Philip didn't even tell Nathanael all the details. He didn't even bring in all the prophecies. He, did, he mentioned Nazareth and Joseph, but he, he failed to explain how Jesus also fulfilled the prophecy of the virgin birth, Mary, Isaiah 7, and Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, Micah 5, the town of David. And nevertheless, Nathanael drew the, the correct conclusion, putting together all the things that, that he learned from the scriptures that he heard in, in John's preaching that he experienced in a short conversation with Jesus. He was convinced, together with the other disciples, Jesus is the promised Messiah. He would die as the Passover lamb. He would take the throne of David. He would rule forever. They were privileged to be witnesses of the glory of Christ. And by their reactions, we see that our Lord Jesus chose disciples who were eagerly desiring the fulfillment of God's Old Testament prophet, uh, prophecies. They were, they were people who had the, the Scriptures open, who were looking, longing for the fulfillment of everything that God had told them. And in choosing them, Jesus made it clear that His church was not to be a little secret society with high walls that didn't let any, anyone in or, or let anything out. Some secret society that, that was arrogant about its higher knowledge. But Jesus said His church was to be that excited, that caring group of blabbering heralds who were compelled by the Spirit to share the gospel with their brothers and their friends. 
And when we consider the qualifications of the apostles that we can read in Acts 1 verse 22, we can see that Jesus was building his church on the foundation of eyewitness accounts from men who had been with Jesus from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up into heaven. Jesus chose men who could later affirm, as Peter did in 2 Peter 1 verse 16, that they did not follow cleverly devised myths when they made known to the churches the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Jesus chose men like Nathanael, in whose heart there was no deceit, men who would not peddle the gospel for profit, men who were eager to be witnesses going out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in this way, Jesus ensured that we would know who he was, that we might be a part of the same church with Jesus as the foundation. And today's text then is first and foremost a revelation about Jesus Christ himself, a revelation of what we are a part of, who we are a part of. First, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples and the history of redemption and then also to us, the church. And the conversation that Jesus had with Nathanael highlights this point. In this conversation, Jesus revealed that even before he had seen Nathanael in the flesh standing before him, he had, he had seen him under the, the fig tree. He knew that Nathanael was a true Israelite in whom there was no deceit. He, he knew he could see him afar even though he wasn't in the same place. He could see right into Nathanael's heart. It's a marvelous revelation of the divine knowledge that Jesus had even, though, even while he was fully man. It convinced Nathanael that he too wanted to be a disciple. And so he claimed Jesus as his Rabbi, his teacher, that's a way of saying, I want to be your disciple. We say the same, we say, Lord Jesus, be my teacher, be my guide. I believe who you are. And then Jesus promised something that we can see today in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In John 1 verse 51, he says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It was a revelation of what Jesus was drawing the disciples into to be a part of. They were going to be the foundation of something that even surpassed what their forefather Jacob had experienced. When the disciples compared Jesus' promise to the account of Jacob's vision in Genesis 28, they would have noticed that Jesus made one important change. I wonder if you were reading, if you noticed what that difference was. Can you see what it is? Do you remember what it is? Did you notice? It's not the part about heaven. It's not the part about the Lord promising his blessing to Jacob's descendants or to the families of the earth through Jacob's descendants. It's not the part about the angels ascending and descending, but it's the part about where the glory of heaven touched down on earth. In Jacob's vision, the bottom of the ladder was Jacob. Jacob and his rock pillow were at the bottom 
of the latter as the means by which God would bless the families of the earth. The land that he was lying on stood at the center of the promises so that Jacob called that awesome place where where the Lord touched down the house of God, Bethel, and the gate of heaven. Now look at how Jesus says in his promise to his disciples, it's the Son of Man where the, the glory of God came down. The Son of Man is the gateway to heaven, the landing point of God's divine intervention on the earth. Jesus Christ is the new rock at the bottom of that ladder giving access to heaven. And so in this way, Jesus announced that he had come to fulfill the promise given to Jacob, to replace the land of Israel uh, and, and the Jews and the nation of Jacob's descendants as the gateway to heaven. Jesus announced that he would be the awesome place where the Lord himself would build his church. Jesus had come to be the new and living way for all the families of the earth who would be blessed through him. In his words, Jesus brought his disciples in. He said, you'll see these things. You'll be there with me, with me as the cornerstone. And you will be the foundation of the church that would be the gateway to heaven in Christ. You can see why so many churches named themselves Bethel, the house of God, the the place of God's work, the, the gateway to heaven. We turn to Christ in faith. We, we come to the household of God in which he dwells by the Spirit, like we read about in Ephesians 2. And the heavens, they stand open before us in Jesus Christ. Jesus' choice of his disciples and his promise to them about what they would see, they stand beside one another as a clear revelation of what the kingdom of God and his church is all about. Already here in the beginning of his ministry, Jesus saw the time after his victory on the earth, the time of the Holy Spirit, when the church would begin to, filled with God, would begin to spread to every part of the world. Jesus saw what was promised in Ephesians chapter 2 that we read together. He was thinking of, of you who are here today, you who are coming to God through Jesus Christ by faith in devotion to him. You who were once far away but now brought near by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2, verses 12 to 13. Jesus chose his disciples thinking about the future of the church, already thinking about that household of God that would be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, says the Holy Spirit, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And in, our, in his grace, as he calls his first disciples, as he calls more followers and disciples to be together with them, He calls us to stand with him in the presence of God Almighty forever. That's what it means to be a member of Christ's church. Believers, 
many insignificant in so many ways in the eyes of the world, and yet faithful witnesses of the glory of God in faith. Witnesses who love that gospel so much, they are excited, excited to tell others, to, to, to call others first, to, to come and, and see Jesus. Come and see for yourself. See the one who brings the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. See his glory together with us. In the church, it's not popularity and achievements that the world considers important that matter. Not even your theological capabilities and your task in the church that matters most, but it's your heart and your desire to follow your humble Savior through suffering to glory. So we ask ourselves, we ask others, we ask people from any background that, uh, that, that we meet, we, we, we say, what are you seeking? That's the really important question for our lives. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ who was promised in the Old Testament? Do you want to dedicate your life to him as a disciple today? Do you love your friends, your acquaintances enough to tell them that you have found the Savior of the world through whom we have eternal life and access to the glory of heaven? These are the things that define us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, for your faith, for your, your ability to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ and the privilege of standing in his presence without fear for all eternity. Praise God that you may be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, that you may be a disciple of the one true God, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen.